Collinwood, in the intriguing world of parallel time, a world in which the Collins family is surrounded by mystery. For many years, there has been talk among the townspeople of a strange room in the great house, a room which is always kept locked for reasons known to no one outside the family. According to legend, six people have slept in the room, and each of them has either died or come out stark raving mad. On this night, the master of the house has died, and Morgan Collins, the oldest son, has made preparations for a strange ritual that takes place once during each generation. A ritual which decides who will be the latest to enter the room. A ritual which will end in terror at Collinwood. Just a quick bit of news before we get started. Dark Shadows legend Catherine Lee Scott will appear at the Mad Monster Expo August 25th through 27th, 2023 in Concord, North Carolina. Mad Monster Expo is a horror, sci-fi, and fantasy-themed convention that brings the world's top genre celebrities and vendors together with their fans to trade stories, attend informative panels, buy autographs, and fun merchandise, and visit with old friends, and meet new like-minded monsters. And of course, Catherine Lee Scott, best known for her roles as as Maggie Evans and Josette Dupre in Dark Shadows and has appeared in many other things such as Star Trek The Next Generation, The Great Gatsby, and many more. So madmonsterexpo.com is the website you want to check out and uh, it sounds like a great time. There's nowhere to run. There's no place to hide. This podcast is fun, but there are spoilers inside. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. I am your hostess, Danielle, a.k.a. Penny Dreadful, and I am really thrilled because I'm joined today by my dear friend, Eric Marshall. Uh, you heard Eric that way back in episode two, uh, where we talked about the first Dark Shadows storyline, uh, the Victoria Winter's search for her parentage and the Burke Devlin revenge plot. And uh, I thought it'd be great to bring Eric back uh, to bookend uh, the discussions of the storylines, because today we're going to be talking about 1841 Parallel Time, the final Dark Shadows storyline. Uh, and if you haven't listened to episode uh, two of the podcast, do go back and listen to it. Eric is a brilliant artist, brilliant writer, and uh, a really wonderful person. Uh, and I'm honored to call him a friend, and I'm thrilled that he's here with me today. Uh, he designed that poster back there you're looking at, the the if you're looking at the video version of this, uh, he did the logo for the, this podcast, and also those amazing uh, Hanna-Barbera style cartoon illustrations that I keep seeing spreading all over the internet every, every so often I'll just go to a to a Facebook page or something and I'm like hey there's Eric's artwork and in fact I was at Seaview Terrace at Collinwood back in May and there were these big get well cards that uh, the fans were putting together for friends who go to the sea to Seaview Terrace who were you know dealing with certain medical issues etc so they were put together these big get well cards like gigantic ones and they put pictures in them, like printed them out and glued them. And some of them were your cartoon illustrations. I looked, I was like, hey, let's, my friend Eric drew those. Yes, you should put out, put out a, what, what, is, what is everybody's preference for, who are the favorites for more? Um, 
I mean, yeah. I have to do Count Patafi and yes, Alex and Aristide. I know Trask. Trask. Oh my gosh, all the Trasks. Trask. To... Laura. Laura. Oh, see, we could keep. We're gonna yeah, go down yeah. that road. <laughs> but but the fan. But the fans might think of things that you know because there's so many characters. They slip your mind. Like well, like I I can't believe I keep forgetting Trask when we talk because that's because he is one of my favorites. Um, although it's like witch trash because they're so, they're all cool. Yes, right. They're all they're all really great. Yeah, cool, cool and bad. They're all evil, but, <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, yeah, it's fun fun times. So, and yeah. I love the I love the uh, the logo. And you you recently uh, not too long ago surprised when I had was going to have Lara Parker on the show. You you surprised me by sending the additional uh, Angelique and Quentin images. So we've now added those to the logo. So th those are just fantastic. I have the triumvirate the yes yeah yes absolutely i guess it's <laughs> i don't know anti-heroes villain it's all of the above the triumvirate because i can't think of not including um um julia hoffman and yet <laughs> yes not a triumvirate that's a quartet yes people have <laughs> asked about that actually they're like where's julia i was like well you know it's, it looks good with the three the bal the three kind of balance it out there um I have to give you others so you can bat, you know, like ch switch them around a little bit. So oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Willie and, and Julia and some. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't say no to that. Professor Stokes. <laughs> yes. Human Barnabas versus Vampire Barnabas. Yes. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about 1841 parallel time. And back when you, when you were on the podcast last time, you were watching, I think you had already gotten into the Barnabas episodes at that. I know you would watch the pre-Barnabas at that point, but I know you had not watched the entire series yet at that point, but now you have since then. I I, I probably had seen up to Barnabas, mm -hmm. but I hadn't gotten to, I definitely hadn't gotten to 18 and uh, 97, but yeah. I don't, I don't recall if I'd gotten into 1795 yet. I can't, I have to go back. I'd have to go back and, and double check. I know prior to that, you had watched, you know, sporadically, you'd watched some Dark Shadows here and there over the years. We talked a little bit about that last time, but then you did the, the, the marathon. You did the whole thing uh, <laughs> from start to finish. Some things were really, it, it hit me that I was like, oh, wow, I remember this being so different. Uh, you know, like what I, what it looked like when you're seeing it out of context versus in the, I think the one thing I remember best was when Patofi shows Quentin the painting, and that was probably one that the con out of context felt very different from in context. Mm -hmm. So, so um, you know, stuff like that that was that was just uh, um, surprising. The number of times it was like, is this thing set in the present or is it set in the past? It's I'm seeing both costumes now. You know, <laughs> it, you didn't know about the time travel. You didn't know what's going on. So. Right watching it in, in order it, it all made more sense although I suppose it still had its craziness <laughs> yes oh yeah for sure and I remember we would email each while you were watching it you'd send me messages like oh we just got to this storyline or we, I've just we're just we're, I'm in the middle of this storyline and you'd speculate about certain things and send me these like amazing messages where we write back and forth and try to you know, parse some of the storyline, uh, the loopholes, right. perhaps. <laughs> Not to spoil things. So you're like, I know where that's going. Yes. Yeah. 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 I didn't want, yeah, I definitely didn't want to spoil stuff because sometimes you would say, bring something up and I'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't say. Um, but sometimes too, especially with 1840, I think the writers at that point were just like yeah. really running out of gas because they were, they were 
things were not lining up with a lot of things that were said before. So one thing that fans like to do is to try to, uh, spackling as the fandom term for is try to like figure out how it would actually work within the framework of the story, you know, itself, uh, the, the sort of the formalist approach to, to analyzing the, the text, in other words. So looking at it from that perspective is real. I've always found that to be really fun. I love that Eric does that too. So we're like trying to figure things out. And one of your theories I love too about uh, Collinwood is that just call is that it's the ground upon which Colin Collinwood is built is enchanted ground. Like the, the trees themselves or it's, it's just, that's a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. I think the magic of Collinwood itself sometimes was, um, I don't want to say de-emphasized, but kind of they wouldn't really call attention to just how magical it was. And at other times it was very clear that this place is not just a normal house. And that this is a, uh, you know, very much a, a, a conduit for extra dimensional kind of things. And they didn't really get into the history of that being an extraordinary, like, like mm -hmm. there was no like Ghostbusters, the crazed architect, crazy person that created the house. No, uh, you know, there wasn't anything that, although there was room for it, they didn't really, I don't think they really told us for sure. They never really did. I mean, they never, they could have done something with like ley lines or some, some explanation for that. But it's like when Mark, I had Mark DeWitziak on the podcast, who's a great writer and he, uh, an actor too. And he talked about, you know, modern television shows like that would probably be the first thing they would come up with in the writer's room and they would probably figure out okay why is Collinsport or Collinwood like this why why is it a beacon for this kind of to attract every supernatural thing uh you know why is it and but on Dark Shadows they never did they never really explained why that they did some throwaway about the curse that Judah Zachary put on the Collins family but it must be more than that I mean just all this other stuff is going on they alluded to it back even before i mean when the show started it wasn't the supernatural was much more abstract yeah but they, did, they did allude to there being something special about colin collinwood uh i remember burke devlin said that and was mm -hmm. kind of a kind of an alarming declaration that this, yeah. is, this is not just a house there's it's in every part of this house there is this uh this thing in every dark shadow i think that he worked yeah. in the and, and um so there's always been this sense that there was something about the house but they were never committing to what that was until yeah. until it didn't seem like it had to be something really fantastical until later in the show mm -hmm. by which point as you say it's like how is it not a magnet for all this crazy stuff for sure yeah exactly and it's it's fun that there's no true explanation for it they leave it a mystery um but this final storyline it's an interesting bookend to the series itself because it's a callback in many ways to the original storylines in dark shadows there is gothic horror in it but it's a lot leans a lot more into gothic romance and it's also there's a subplot dealing with uh with unknown parentage with uh with Melanie Collins so which is kind of a callback to Vicky so there are aspects to this that are, feel 
in some ways like the original recipe, Dark Shadows, when we first started the show. Um, that said, it's certainly all of the Dark Shadows that came before this final storyline also informed it because we do have a strong supernatural aspect going on here as well. The key inspirations for this storyline were Withering Heights, of course, that was the big the big one here, uh, uh, written in 1847 by Emily Bronte. Even the characters in the storyline, several of them are direct analogs for the ones in Wuthering Heights. Like we have Heathcliff. Heathcliff is Bram Wallace Heathcliff and Kath. They didn't even try too hard to change the name. <laughs> Catherine is Catherine is Catherine is, or they call it a lot, Kathy a lot for short in the, in the, in Wuthering Heights, but it's, it's Catherine. We have uh, Edgar Linton in uh, the analog from his Morgan Collins in this storyline. And then we have Isabella, Isabella Linton. We have Daphne, the parallel time version of Daphne. So there's that going on the Wuthering Heights storyline. But then we also have that mashed up with uh, Shirley Jackson's uh, famous story from 1948, The Lottery, uh, which is a really fun, I mean, who would have thought to combine, other than the, the Dark Shadows writers, let's combine <laughs> Wuthering Heights with The Lottery, which is just fantastic. Um, I, I thought that was really fun. Uh, I mean, it's not a direct lift from The Lottery, but it's certainly clearly is the lottery. It's, a, you know, this tradition that must be held. Everybody has to participate in it. And the end result is this is a lottery you do not want to win. That just speaks to the evils of, of tradition, and etc. So uh, two great stories. And there's a third that might be, I'm not entirely sure about this one, like Wuthering Heights and the lottery are pretty obvious inspirations. But um, there's also um, a story by Henry James called uh, Owen Wingrave. Uh, it was written in 1892, and that one deals with a haunted room, uh, and wallpaper. Uh, no, no, it's no, it's it's about a haunted room, and it's um, uh, like this general kills his son and his wife in this room, and the room is haunted, and year many years later, his descendant. Uh, it, you know, spends the night. Nobody should sleeps in that room, but his descendant dares to sleep in the room, and he, the next morning, he's found dead in the room in the same spot. So they might have taken that and combined that with the lottery, like in the story, the lottery. It's there isn't a room. It's as I'm sure you've, yeah. sure you've read it. You know, it's the yeah, the the town's spoilers for Shirley Jackson's the lottery. You know, it's the town, the town's folk all have to conduct this lottery every year and we're not told the exact purpose of the lottery it's hinted at in the story that it has to do with the crops uh lottery in june corn be heavy soon or something the old the old man warner in the story kind of drops a hint as to the lottery he's like whoa this is some ancient druid stuff happened like something out of the wicker man yeah, you know yeah. uh so but it's not but it's very it's only hinted at like they don't uh and the winner of the lottery, quote unquote, gets stoned to death by everybody in the town, including their own family. So you you die if you win the lottery. Um, and here it's you spend the night in this cursed, haunted room, and you either go insane or you die at the end of it. So those are the three yeah. key inspirations for this storyline. It's a little, it's, in some ways, it's scarier because it's so unknown what exactly is going to happen to you in this room. And you don't know if you're dying or just going to be crazy or which is worse. You know? Yeah. So it, it was it somehow creepier than the lottery, which is not 
Right, um, right. And it might have been, I mean, I'm not sure if if it was Henry James's Owen Wingrave, but there are certainly some, there's some echoes of Owen Wingrave in there. So it, might, it might be. Um, or it might have just been something the writers came up with on their own p- p- potentially too. Um, there's also the, the the aspect, there's one with the, in once you go into, when you find out what happened in that room, you see this like sub basement where the preserved bodies of uh, James Forsyth and Amanda are laid out and Brutus Collins in 1680 injected them with something and just preserved their dead bodies. And it's an eerie scene because they're just covered in, spider webs i don't know if you remember this they're just covered in spider webs and they're just it's one episode you see the the dead bodies and it felt something very like something out of nathaniel hawthorne to me but i could not place that whole idea of the the it might have that also might have just been something the writers came up with on their own too or you know i don't know but it felt i was like is this something out of hawthorne because it just kind of had that vibe to it the preserved bodies um, but I might just be like, if we read stories like, uh, like the birthmark, for example, or, um, Rappuccini's daughter, which have to do with, you know, all alterations to the person in some way that, uh, w- with the birthmark, it's like a kind of a mad early version of a mad scientist who's trying to remove this birthmark from his wife's face. But I don't know. It just had that vibe to it for me. I, it's clear they were drawing on a lot of sources and, and- oh yeah. Some of them, as you said, were very obvious to the point of it's like somebody clearly sat back and typed out their plans <laughs> or for the next couple months. We're doing this. And yeah. you know, and and then we'll, you know, spitball it yeah. on our way. <laughs> you know, you, usually it was Dan Curtis would tell the writers, uh, we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have writers and like, I wanna do whatever he'd pull out uh you know the turn of the screw or something and they were let's do a t- turn of the screw and fit it into dark shadows universe and then they'd find a way to do it the writers were also suggesting ideas and, uh, and dan curtis ultimately would nix or approve ideas so the writers were also contributing so it was like this you know they'd have these writers meetings with dan curtis and they'd pitch ideas at him and he would say what he liked what he didn't like but he'd also bring in his own ideas of what he wanted them to do and then They'd go to Sam Hall a lot of times would have the writers come to his house and they would get together and come up with come up with ideas and figure out what the storyline was going to be. And then they divvy up the scripts and who's going to write what. At this point in this in the show, though, Sam Hall was working on the script for Night of Dark Shadows. Gordon Russell was handling the writing on the show primarily by himself. Like if you look at the credits for 1841 Parallel Time, every episode says Gordon Russell, Gordon Russell, Gordon Russell. Except I think the last episode, I think, was Sam. But um, Violet Wells was ghostwriting a lot of the scripts for Gordon Russell at this point, too. They were both. So it was really Gordon and Violet. But I don't know why Violet wasn't getting credited because she was on the writing team for 1897. And she was great. She's a great she was a great writer, too. And there that was a great team with Sam, Gordon and, and Violet. So at this point in the series, it's Gordon Russell with Violet Wells lending an assist and writing some of those episodes in 1841 Parallel Time, too. Yeah, sometimes watching it, you're like, I think this might have just been the first draft they were able to do. I don't think they had time for a rewrite on this. So mm-hmm. like you were saying, I think sometimes the the continuity would, it's like they weren't able to double check that. That was, that yeah. was not, that they didn't follow that that up on how that, I think the it wasn't at this point, it was much earlier, but I remember one where they did that strange time travel thing where, yeah, the the the, the Collins history book was taken back in time. 
well, but Eve took it back into the future. Yes, but she hasn't traveled back in time yet. I'm like, <laughs> yes, she has. As far as the, it, if she took it from earlier than your point, then it's not going to be in your time anymore, any more than it would have, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it didn't make any sense. It was, you know, just uh, <laughs> like, who cares? It's time travel and it's magic. You know? yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, I'm sure the writers probably would have those conversations and that would probably be the ultimate conclusion they would come to. Like, who cares? It's time travel and magic. The other, one thing that the last storyline did, well, I guess they did the 1841 did to, before Parallel Time as well. They gave us multiple siblings in the Collins family, which we hadn't had much of. Like there was Quentin, there was uh, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel in 1841 Parallel Time. There was, right. yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, Gabriel, it was uh, Quentin, Mor Morgan Collins as well, a new and, uh, yeah, character. And, and Morgan was the one I wondered if they would figure out some excuse to be able to bring him to the regular time if the story had gone back to the original timeline. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah, that's the Keith Prentice, the new actor on the show. They also had Mel uh, Melanie Collins, which you have the whole parentage issue with, with Melanie Collins. Yeah, Collins was into the mix because they had to... <laughs> Julia, no. even Julia is a Collins in, in 1841. <laughs> well, that's another instance where I'm like, yeah, they could have maybe just given her another name instead of like, how, why? It just makes it more confusing. It's like, why is there a Julia Collins in 1841 parallel time? Maybe Drew, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting, I, and I seem to recall Julia even looking into, our Julia looking into from 1840, looking into the parallel time room and seeing her counterpart there and reacting to that in some way. So that's, so she even recognized the the similarity. So it's odd that there's an 1841 parallel time, Julia, but the mysteries, the mysteries of, of parallel time, this storyline is very different. And in, in that every storyline we've had in dark shadows up until to this point, one of the main primary time band characters is part of the storyline. In, in 1970 parallel time, Barnabas goes into that world, into the parallel universe, and then Julia goes into the parallel universe later on as well. We always have kind of a main time band anchor. In this storyline, it's it's wild. It's like the last two months of Dark Shadow, two and a half months. It's about two and a half months storyline. Um, after Barnabas and Julia and Professor Stokes come back to the present in, in the main time band, we go back to 1840 and we see Desmond and uh, Letitia destroy the staircase through time and they we we they see the parallel time room. And then the, we just go with the camera just goes into parallel time and we fall continue because Lamar Trask had been stabbed by Barnabas in what Barnabas called the perfect crime. So Lamar Trask dies in a parallel band of time. The, the room, he stumbles into the room with the knife because he's been stabbed by Barnabas. And he stumbles into the room and the room changes and Lamar Trask drops to the ground and he's dying and he dies in parallel time. And then um, he's buried there. They bury the body uh, and they assume that it was Justin Collins that killed Lamar Trask. Because they, they mentioned the Trask family in parallel time. They say, oh, they're bakers. The ba they own the bakery. <laughs> so in parallel time. Mm -hmm. They didn't even check to find out if, the, if their trask was dead. No, no, or no. <laughs> we no. just cover that up. Yes, yes. Well, they're Collinses, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we have to protect the family. So I think Julia, because Julia Collins is the matriarch of the family. Um, 
Uh, Flora Collins is Joan Bennett's character there. She's married to Justin Collins, who's insane because he survived the night in the room. Um, but Julia is sort of the is Julia is Justin's Justin Collins' sister, so she's the and she's she's great. And we can get we're going to get into the characters in a little bit, but it's an odd storyline, and a lot of fans dislike this storyline because it's so it's disconnected from everything else. Uh, Jonathan Frid is not Barnabas; he's Bramwell Collins. So a lot of fans don't connect with this storyline. And when I first found out about this storyline, it was in the 80s. Catherine Lee Scott released a book called My Scrapbook Memories of Dark Shadows in 1986, and it had a complete uh, synopsis of the entire show. And I read, when I read it at the time in 1986, I was confounded. I was just baffled by that. I said, what? 1841 parallel time? what? Like Bramwell Collins, Jonathan Frittas, Bramwell Collins, the son of Barnabas was kind of one of those like, what? What? So it was confusing to read about that uh, at that time. But then, and I was a little, even at that point, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this because it's too different. But then it definitely grew on me when I finally got to watch it. It was pretty cool. It's a very grim storyline there's no joy in this storyline it's that it is a very gothic storyline it's um like a morose kind of feeling to it nobody at collinwood is happy i don't even think i don't remember anybody even smiling i mean maybe gabriel maybe once when he's drunk he means or when he's insane when he goes insane after a short time in the room um so it's a but it, I I kind of like the mood. It's very moody. I like the the grim kind of mood of this storyline with the whole lottery hanging over their heads. If they don't um, do the lottery, if they don't participate in the lottery, the plague will spread across Collinsport. And there's just there's a very it's dark. It's a dark storyline. Uh, and I I kind of I kind of dig that. And the characters not especially likable. Um, but in Wuthering Heights, they're not especially likable. Heathcliff and Kathy are not the most very self-centered characters only the two of us exist in the world you know um that's that kind of vibe to it but it's true to the source material i think in many ways but it's i don't know just before we dive into breaking down the the plot and the characters any overall thoughts on this 1841 parallel time storyline i I, since i watched it binge doing the binge watch um i actually was kind of it, it had a start that didn't segue from other things it kind of mm-hmm. jumped in and had a beginning mm-hmm. so that was strangely satisfying considering that I had I mean it was unsatisfying when you watch the the goodbye with the other characters and and uh, Elizabeth comes in and you know it's like oh you're back to you're you're back from Oz and <laughs> uh, there's uh, you know uh we're gonna have to trust that david's okay because we left him in a bad place but now he's just fine off screen and there was a bittersweetness to that realizing oh no we're done with those characters because i'd been warned by you that it was coming but then once that transition happened it was kind of easy to get into maybe because of american horror story or other anthologies that seeing the familiar actors playing archetypes versus the same characters exactly um was uh was palatable but that largely was because i knew it was over if i had been watching it when it was you know once a day uh you know for the first time and i was still thinking we had to get back to our regular characters i would have been very unhappy yeah Um, 
and I don't blame people for not liking it, especially like you said, it's it's not a a humorous uh, period uh, in the story. Not that the show had it had some dark storylines. I mean, nineteen ninety five comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there were some there were some grim things. Uh, Barnabas killing. Um, it was it was Willie. Um, Carl Carl Collins Quentin's brother Carl. Carl yeah. yeah, that was a little overly dark, I guess, because it was like he didn't feel like a threat that he had to kill, but he did anyway. And just so, just to remember, he's not above, uh, you might like Barnabas, but he's still a killer. He's uh, dangerous. Barnabas is unpredictable and dangerous. He's a vampire. So you, right. it's that, and they, they, I think that you're right. I think that is why they threw that in there because, because I think I, most people kind of liked Carl. Like he was kind of a goofball, just like a practical joker. Like he was, um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, there were dark, certainly dark things there were but there was more there was some levity in 1897 with pansy and things and you and carl yeah, himself <laughs> there was some 1841 parallel time is just grim i'll always be sorry that uh, minerva and and charity were not were not bigger roles uh because <laughs> when, yes. when, when reverend trask mentions them i'm like oh those two are going to be characters you just know it and just the names <laughs> made them sound and the actors were good but they didn't really get uh, really meaty roles where so they weren't on very long in those yeah. days, sadly uh, but uh, but yeah I, I, then she became pansy and I was like well I, I don't dislike pansy but darn you know <laughs> <laughs> right like, right like, could we, we had we had a pansy before couldn't we have pa kept pansy and had charity and they could have been together you know I don't know <laughs> they did that in the big finish audio plays which is fun um that's something I, I enjoyed when they they, brought, they had Nancy Barrett reprise her role as charity and years later but she still intermittently becomes possessed by pansy like they're friends now they've shared right. they share one body so they alternate uh and they have conversations with each other so charity trask and pansy Faye have conversations with each other and they both share one body which is really i thought that was pretty fun like you have this all <laughs> split personality almost happening but it is two distinct beings is the spirit of pansy and charity sharing one body well, i thought that was kind of fun and nancy barrett is such a good actress she's she's great she's just such a fantastic actress i mean arguably the best actor on the show her and thayer david i think are certainly in contention for that and jonathan grayson i mean so many jerry lacy they're all such they were all just so compelling to to, to watch yeah they they earned the their their followings you know yeah in this in this show i mean it, it's it goes on a long time and there's some episodes that sort of spin wheels because it's mm -hmm. every day you know and sometimes they repeat the same points um mm -hmm. but it, it they are all very compelling and uh even even when things have to get a little i don't want to say hokey but a little grim or too maybe, maybe a little <laughs> <laughs> a little sadder than you want it to be um but it's it's it was always compelling and the, i agree the actors are excellent um yeah. I, I would have liked the show to have continued on with variations with them um but you know playing different characters if they had to with the parallel time if that was what it would take to to keep it going but um i mean i wasn't there i don't know i, I don't yeah. know <laughs> and and it's interesting yeah, well, there were there were several things happening at this point in the show, and some people say 
Dark Shadows should have ended when they came back from 1840 in that one episode where they interact with Liz and it's the end. You know what? I'd rather have two and a half more months of Dark Shadows in parallel time than not have two and a half more months of Dark Shadows in parallel time. We get Withering Heights, we get the lottery, we get this whole creepy storyline that's set in a parallel universe and we've visited parallel time before so we're back in in, in a parallel time band and it's two and a half more months of dark shadows so i'm not going to say no to that that's fantastic we have great new costumes by mary mckinley uh who, her married name was mary mckinley haas she designed all these fabulous costumes for 1841 parallel time um uh, you know it's a color for the colors are kind of I don't, it's kind of, I don't know if they're authentic to 1841, you know, if the, or, but it's parallel time anyway. So who knows, you know, what, what the fashions were, but they, they, right, I think right, they were, right. yeah, I think they were correct. I mean, they were authentic for the period for eight, the 1840 period, but maybe by way of 1970s uh, <laughs> color schemes, but they, but still, I don't know. I mean, if you look at paintings uh, from that era and people are wearing, you know, colorful, uh, you know, jackets and, and things like that. And so it's, because I know there's one where Quentin wears this very like uh, baby blue jacket and this kind of stripe, these striped pants. Although I mean, I mean, they're cool. All the costumes and beautiful gowns. I mean, Flora's gown, especially that that velvet red and Bramwell with the black when he's dressed in the black, um, you know, with the broke that kind of brocade vest and so he's Mary McKinley fantastic costumes it, it helps when you have actors that can pull these things off let's face yeah. it some, some of us <laughs> I, don't think I would have pulled off the striped blue uh, thing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well i am wearing blue stripes but i know i'm not, not wearing them like david selby uh, <laughs> the reason i think this storyline happened in the first place um i don't know how much the actors knew or how much how far in advance they knew the show was going to be canceled Jonathan Frid said at ShadowCon, one of the early ShadowCons that it was around Christmas that he knew. Uh, Thayer David said they didn't know until February, which um, was a couple months before it ended. Um, the storyline started in late January. So it's it's not entirely clear. One thing that was clear is that I'm just cutting in here. I went into a lengthy discussion about why 1841 Parallel Time came into existence in the first place, but I think I'm going to save that for a future episode. Um, I'm a little wary of going too far into it, but I will say this. Um, there was a lot happening behind the scenes on Dark Shadows around December of 1970. Uh, Jonathan Fred decided he didn't want to do Night of Dark Shadows, uh, Dan Curtis was furious about this, and you can see a hint of what took place here in the uh, wonderful documentary Dark Shadows and Beyond, the Jonathan Frid story, uh, directed by Mary O'Leary. Um, I believe if you look at the uh, letter that's shown in that documentary, and you also look at the entrance of Professor Stokes into 1840 during this time, you can see that they were kind of setting him up to take the lead with Julia in dealing with Judah Zachary. And if you put that together with what was revealed in the documentary, you can kind of start putting the pieces together here. So despite what's been said by fans over the years about Jonathan wanting to play a new character or demanding to play a new character, which he wouldn't 
have demanded to play a new character, despite these kinds of uh, things. And I think maybe even Jonathan and Hifford himself su had suggested that, well, everybody else was playing a different character. I wanted to do it too. Um, but there was a lot more to it than this. Uh, it wasn't necessarily this. It's my understanding that it was actually Dan Curtis who told the writers to create a new character for Jonathan, and thus the character of Bramwell in 1841 Parallel Time were born as a result. Uh, so it's true that Jonathan didn't want to play a vampire anymore. Um, he didn't want to be typecast, um, and that that's pretty well known. But he didn't say that he didn't want to play the character of Barnabas Collins anymore. So 1841 Parallel Time was a necessity during this time on Dark Shadows, and I suspect if Dark Shadows had continued on, things had kind of cooled down a little bit, you know, perhaps we would have returned to the present. Who knows? There was a lot of tension happening during this time. It was the, the lead up to Night of Dark Shadows and everyone was getting burned out with the show. And there, there was just, a, there were a lot of factors at play here. Anyway, I may have someone on at some point to shed more light on all of this. But for now, uh, this is just a thumbnail overview that I think will suffice. So they came up with this storyline set in an alternate time band. Um, it's, I think... But they did give them a, an out for um, how do you get Laura Palmer back into it because they or Parker into it because they sorry I keep doing that to Laura Parker no no I keep going into David Lynch um uh, they killed off Angelique so it was a nice thing that they they had a different storyline that she could be somebody else and yeah and that I that was probably the big thing too was that 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 was uh, less of a headache they didn't have to work out any more character you know existing biographies they could just say it's a new timeline everybody's different you know it, it's all and i'm sure that was refreshing for them to, yeah. to sort of do and lara uh, liked playing the ingenue so she finally got her chance to be the, the ingenue yes. Yes, she was the one coming into colin Collinwood at that yeah point. yeah well, she, i guess she had been coming into Collinwood as as angelique the first time too but in a very different way she was a yeah. much much more you know deviant oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> she was for much of much of the series she was this very antagonistic character and then she, like like with barnabas and quentin and julia too you get to see because julia when julia started out too she wasn't exactly you yeah. know <laughs> she, she was, was a little, shady i guess uh she was ambitious but she was also just the right kind of sinister that she yeah. was doing things that seemed a little unethical and then they played with that and is she okay with him killing and mm -hmm. uh, they were really going down a kind of a you know dangerous doomed path with her and then they decided not to get rid of her thankfully yeah yeah um, and i think they realized at some point that we can't get rid of these characters they're the only ones that know what's going on they can't right. get rid of you know uh, they can't get rid of willie they can't get rid of uh, julia they can't get rid of barnabas nobody else knows about any of these cool things happening everybody else mm -hmm. is, like, thinks if it's all oh well he's just from england <laughs> right right <laughs> And, uh, and that's why I thought it was weird that they didn't let Quentin in on things. They kind of didn't seem to commit to that. Like, uh, uh, Yeah, as sometimes he was, but then it was what, in summer of 1970, they did that the, the, that whole beckoning fair one story with him and Daphne. So it's like, oh, we can't trust Quentin now because he's in the thrall of this, this spirit. Mm -hmm. And he's in love with, with Daphne. And, and there's this whole storyline that's taking place there. Uh, and then we have the destruction of Collinwood. I think we were talking about before the show, I think instead of having a Quentin's ancestor in 1840s, great, great uncle 
Quentin the first who built the stairway through time, they should have just had Quentin join Julia and Barnabas and go to 1840 so that he's part of the team yeah. solving this. And I liked your, you suggested too, like for 1970 parallel time, instead of having the parallel time, Quentin, who's not very likable at all. He's, <laughs> he's just a patriarch. He's nothing. He's that he's like Jr. or something, but yeah. not even that, not even that much of a stinker. He's just, I don't know he's well. He's Maxine De Winter. I mean, he's he's yes. a, kind of, he's yeah. kind of designed to be boring. Really, he's mysterious, but not not the character Quentin had been. And yeah, and it would have been cool what you suggested before we started recording. Yeah, they they should have since Barnabas or uh, Jonathan Freed was making the House of Dark Shadows, so he wasn't there. It was like so he's gone to parallel time instead of going with him to parallel time and incapacitating him there. Why not just stay with Quentin and Angelique in regular time developed them as protagonists because they were interesting enough by then we wouldn't have compromised them too badly for them to be the characters we followed just as we had followed uh, Julia and Willie and, and, and Barnabas after they were introduced as villains um, and it would have given those characters a little bit more time to breathe as our key well, as our protagonists you know, as, a, as, yeah. our, as our key points of view and then like you said, then later you could have, because now Quentin is in on more things, or at least was allowed to know more, he could have followed them back in time. But they didn't seem to want to do that with Quentin. I don't know if it was that they didn't, um, they didn't know if they could trust him. The writers didn't maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they, why they held back on Quentin like that. But Yeah, um, instead of making an, another Quentin. And then in parallel, 1841 parallel time, we have yet another Quentin, 1841 parallel time, Quentin. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, can, well, can yeah. you have a different name? You know, like, yeah. but you called him, I know in one of your emails, you said, maybe Quentin is a nexus being like <laughs> every dimension has to have a, a there's Quentin. Always a Quentin. <laughs> there's always. <laughs> that's, why, that's why if they do another show, well, you've got to have a Quentin. So, I mean, he's already immortal, but I don't know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> He passed things on to a son, so there's a new Quentin. I don't know, but I, I don't know how they would do it. But um, <laughs> got to find some excuse to have David Selby, but then somebody else that has still got using the magic, I guess. But yeah, I I, I would I would hope there's always <laughs> Quentin, and maybe he gets to be a little bit more in on stuff and still be the scal the the, the scalawag who will will faint when he sees something. Like yeah. I, people say that about Stokes too, and I can see why they wouldn't let Professor Stokes in on everything because I don't think Professor Stokes would have been okay with a lot of the things that Barnabas and Julia had done, uh, uh, particularly Barnabas had done <laughs> over the over the centuries. You know, I I think he would have. I'm not sure how Professor Stokes would have reacted to if he had learned that Barnabas kidnapped an innocent woman and locked her in the basement yeah. of the old house to turn her into house. his vampire bride. I don't know if he would have been okay with that. Whereas I think Quentin, I'm sure any of us should be okay with that, but somehow exactly yes way out of that particular accountability. I mean, yeah, poor, poor Maggie never did really have a. It's not like she got to live well. They they sent her off to Wincliffe. Wincliffe. <laughs> uh, uh, um, so all uh, I guess Joe was at Wincliffe too already. So yeah. I guess they they, they they do find each other. Yes, they, they did that in the Big Finish audios too. Yeah. Where well, it's they they talk. She gets married to Joe. I love that idea because that was one of the most tragic endings to our relationship. I thought I really liked Maggie and Joe. I they were sweet, and it's like oh, that's awful. These supernatural, you know, intrusions into their lives just ruined everything. Um, but 
speaking of supernatural intrusions, I want to just dive into the storyline. It's short. I'm going to read the first half of it. This comes from the Dark Shadows wiki page. So um, it's pretty succinct, but so it's missing some details, but it's, you know, it'll give you the general idea here. Um, so in the alternate reality of 1841 parallel time where Barnabas Collins never became a vampire, but lived and died as a human, the entire Collins family is under a curse that requires them to hold a lottery. The, the winner slash loser is to spend one night in a room that will leave them either dead or insane. Justin Collins, the elderly master of Collinwood, is dying, which means the lottery will be held again soon. Barnabas's son, Bramwell Collins, returns after five years of living abroad and is hoping to become the new master of Collinwood following Justin's impending death. Bramwell's cousin, Morgan Collins, and Catherine Harridge get married. Quentin Collins finds that the plague hit Collinsport in the past when the family refused to go through with the lottery. The lottery is held. Gabriel Collins is chosen. However, Gabriel pays a friend named Tim Braithwaite to switch places with him in the room shortly after entering, and Tim dies as a result, and Gabriel goes insane after spending a short time in the room. Shortly after, Justin Collins' ghost warns the family that the lottery must be held again as only a Collins is able to break the family curse. The lottery is held again, and this time Catherine is chosen. Morgan locks himself in the room before Catherine can be taken there to spend the night. Morgan survives. However, he is now possessed by the spirit of James Forsyth. So that's the first half of this storyline, or just kind of very briefly here. Um, there are also uh, subplots here uh, that are going on with regard to Melanie Collins and her parentage. She was adopted by Justin Collins. It turns out we find out later she's the daughter of uh, Josette and uh, Justin yeah. Collins. Justin had an affair with, with Josette after Barnabas died. Julia Collins knew but kept it secret. And that was one thing going on. And then there's also Kendrick. Kendrick Young uh, comes looking because his sister Stella Young was a, sec uh, a secretary uh, at Collinwood and was murdered uh, mysteriously. And we it, it appears it was Melanie because Melanie has some bouts of madness too when she becomes possessed by yeah. Amanda Collins. So because she spent some time in the room too, when her father went into the room, she went in, she snuck in to be with him. And she also suffers from the effects of the room. Um, so um, Kendrick comes looking to find out what happened to his sister. So there are all these other subplots happening in the mix here, but the main just here is we have Bramwell and Catherine, this tempestuous kind of relationship romance uh, that's happening. Tempestuous, I think, is a good word to describe uh, Bramwell Collins, um, who I'm pretty sure was named, was a kind of a spin on the Brontes. Brother was named Branwell with an N. Uh, and Bramwell is, I suspect that was a nod to, to the Bronte to sister, Bronte family <laughs> there oh, with okay. Bramwell. Yeah. I was thinking of just just uh, uh, Bram Stoker. I, oh, I maybe that too. Yeah, maybe they combine the names. <laughs> yeah, right. It makes sense. Any any feelings on um, this part of the storyline? We are introduced to some new characters here. Um, we got Morgan Collins is a new actor who was introduced to Dark Shadows, played by Keith Prentice. Uh, Mary Cooper is introduced as the older version of Josette, and we have plenty of familiar faces here in the mix as well, uh, playing different characters. So this kind of, I, I guess, the Wuthering Heights aspect of it. Let's talk about that first. Um, do you have any feelings about the Catherine and Bramwell Morgan love triangle here? We had those before in the show, so it wasn't, it 
it, it did feel like we were, you know, trapped in certain cycles, not in a bad way, but in like, you know, the way history repeats and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, theme, themes repeat in music and, you know, that it was, it was coming back into play. Um, I keep thinking there was something about the room. It wasn't a room we'd seen before, right? No, to- it was a great, oh, it was really cool. Like just the, the outside of the room, these double doors with the, these emblems on, on shield yeah, emblems on the door that look, just looks sinister, just looking at the outside of it and then the inside of the room i don't they i mean they reused a lot of sets and repurposed them i'm trying right. to think. but i don't think any yeah i don't if they might have reused the set but i don't think they were trying to pretend it was the same room at all so there no. was a, it was sort of a um you know i was thinking there there's a there's a a walkthrough um online that someone did of uh the enterprise d from star trek the next generation that shows like what is it the the uh shuttle the main shuttle bay you never saw that in the show mm-hmm. but watching it was kind of cool because it feels like it was there the whole time yeah and it was kind of exciting to see this thing that feels so much like part of the show that it never was it was how did they there. do that was it like ai or something yeah it was a computer generated virtual set and they okay. i think they based off the schematics that you know they've drawn this yeah oh, i wish somebody would do that with collinwood too that yeah. would be really cool yeah that's what i was thinking there's all these parts of collinwood we've never seen that feel like we saw them but we didn't mm-hmm. but there was clearly a lot of parts of the house that were implied to be very interesting that we've never got to explore you know, the the west wing and all that stuff that um uh i figured were you know there had to be a grand ballroom somewhere in that house I mean, oh sure yeah there must be yeah there had to be they, right. that would have been a great plot yeah. too you know um to have something set in the ballroom one of the big finish ones did the storyline uh well, you know on the t- audios they did something with the ballroom involving edith collins as i recall um but um yeah. love to have imagined more more things but i that's why i keep thinking the room may well have been something that it was unique to that time but feels like it might it there may have been something to to expect in the rest of the you know in yeah. other periods of the house it's in the west wing uh in parallel time that that lottery room but i we never saw it would be part of, of the west wing yes yeah yeah <laughs> that sinister place um, yes but yes all, most of the bad like, except for the parallel time room itself the entrance to parallel time was in the east wing but most of the other like Quentin and the playroom and all of that stuff was going on in the West Wing. I don't know what's what's happening there. Um, but this whole Wuthering Heights thing that with with Bramwell, Morgan, and Catherine. I mean, it's I'm like sorry. I said, I never found the I, I had watched years ago the movie with um, uh, Merle Oberon and uh, Laurence Olivier. Uh, it's a great film, the film version of of Wuthering Heights. Like the Moors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's very, very accurate for Collinwood that there be storms all over. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, um, but it's, I mean, they're, they're like the, these characters are kind of like that. I mean, Kath, it's about class, you know, or like Kathy marries uh edgar linton because of his position in society even though heathcliff keeps telling though they're they're the same you know they're both the same and she is drawn to to heathcliff she is there are they are kind of presented as two sides of the same coin kind of thing and they're doing the same kind of deal with bramwell and catherine but when bramwell goes away to oh, he is the poor relation. Uh, he, so he hates the he's a Collins, but he hates the Collins family. The Collins family drove his father to an to an early grave. Blah blah blah. So, which makes me wonder: is this 
I don't even know if this is the same time band as 1970 parallel time, because in 1970 parallel time, they said Barnabas had many children and, and lived to a ripe old age. And, and like, well, that's not what's going on in 1841 parallel time. Well, there was also confusion about um, <clears throat> the age because for, for, for Josette to have had a child that um, she would have been older, I guess, when mm -hmm. she had the child that was, you know, by night, by 1840, that child to be, to not be very old um, would have, would, I guess, I'm not sure what the time, time was supposed to be, but I mean, she was a young bride in 18, I'm sorry, 1795. Yeah. So I don't know if that was implying maybe there was a little shifting in time a bit that it didn't happen. Maybe she's a little, she was a little younger than that. Um, mm -hmm. Although 40 years, 40 years sounded like a long time once. Now it doesn't. So yeah. <laughs> she would have been in her, in her sixties, I guess, in 1841 parallel by 1840, maybe, maybe in her, in her sixties. So I was thinking of the, um, the, the daughter she had. Uh, um, oh, um, oh, Melanie, Melanie. Yeah. Melanie. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking that if she had her later, I don't, I wasn't sure how, yeah. well, how they, old she would have been when she had her. As she, it was after Barnabas died and Justin was married to Flora, had an affair with her. So, but then she went away to have Melanie in secret, which a lot of people say, well, how could Liz have had Vicky and nobody would have known about it? What's happened with Josette? If they did the same kind of, kind of story here where Josette went away yeah. to have Melanie and then she's brought back to Collinwood by Justin who adopts her, but he, she actually is his, his biological daughter um and so yeah I, I remember there was a whole lead up to who's it going to be who's the mother and that was mm -hmm. a cliffhanger i think mm -hmm. and then it was i think and then it was josette ah and it's like well of course it had to be josette you know and mm -hmm. i'm going to read that second half of the plot right here because we can just talk about all of this um in a short flashback to the year 1680 parallel time brutus collins was stealing money from his business partner james forsyth who was having an affair with his wife, Amanda. Brutus kills James and Amanda and then sets the curse on Collinwood. Only the person capable of surviving a night in the locked room would be worthy of the Collins name. Back in 1841, Brutus warns that the lottery must be held again. Kendrick Young, Melanie's, Melanie Collins' husband, is chosen. Meanwhile, after discovering that Catherine is carrying Bramwell Collins' child, Morgan knocks out Bramwell and locks him in the room instead. Morgan agrees to let Bramwell out after Catherine, Catherine's pleas. However, he tricks her by locking her in with Bramwell. Catherine and Bramwell survive Brutus's final attempts to destroy them. Brutus declares they have won and the curse is broken. Morgan shoots Bramwell and takes Catherine hostage. Bramwell and Kendrick go after him. They fight and Morgan falls off the roof of Collinwood to his death. Bramwell is declared the new master of Collinwood. A closing narration by Thayer David reveals that Bramwell and Catherine got married and lived happily ever after, and that for as long as they lived, the dark shadows at Collinwood were but a memory of the distant past. Of course, it's only in parallel time because we know the dark shadows of Collinwood yeah. can, <laughs> will never truly vanish. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny how it's like parts of it I remember and then other parts I'm like, that totally has slipped my mind. Um, because yeah. uh, it's I mean it's funny how certain storylines really or certain parts of storylines really jump out at you and, mm -hmm. and stick with you and then they over kind of overshadow dark shadows at least <laughs> other parts of the story yeah so I forgot we did we jumped even further back in time it, which um, is insane because 
in parallel time, Collinwood existed in 1680. Right, right. So how old does that make the old house right. <laughs> in parallel time? It's like, whoa. So, I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. It's just was so you said Quentin is a nexus being a Collinwood must be this nexus right. edifice that must always exist. I don't know. It's just how did Collinwood, so Collinwood was built uh, over a hundred years before it was built in our time band. Kind of, you kind of wonder if, if they got it, well, they, they were incorrect about their own accomplishment in there. It, it, <laughs> They misremembered when they built the place. Um, Maybe Collinwood exists as sort of this occult talisman that people tap into in any time band. And sometimes the Collinwood in in one time band, whoever's building it might get that vision. Like in that house is supposed to look like. And then they build the house they saw from parallel time. Right. Yes. It's just this kind of ripple effect that's happening. Yeah, maybe so. Like it, it's, but there's something very mystical about it that's that they're tapping into. Uh, So, I mean, but that certainly, uh, one thing I would have loved to have seen is, is a little, I know Dark Shadows didn't usually touch on history and historical events, but sometimes they would reference things like the Revolutionary War and stuff like that. So it would have been cool to hear some like really alternative history in 1841 parallel time. Uh, Jamestown Settlement Colony Original was the first permanent English settlement in the Americas. Ha ha. Wow. Uh, looks like it was established by a Virginia Company of London as James Fort on May 4th, 1607. Ah, okay, cool. Very, so, very so, so it's conceivable that I guess that the old house, I mean, but we don't know in parallel in the parallel universe, America, maybe they settled in America much earlier. That's- Yes, who knows? The history of uh, is entirely. Um, that's the gl- glory of an alternate timeline. Is everything can be different? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember the early on when they um, when Vicky saw the clipper ship outside of the one house, which they never went back to. But that was another yes. house that was mass- magical. It seemed like like they were mm-hmm. play with that a bit. But there was always the suggestion of history then um, that they didn't. I guess they were just for the romantic side of it. They weren't necessarily hinting at specific history, but it it, it did feel like they were dabbling a bit in that, uh, that there might have perhaps a more, uh, perhaps a, a more in-depth uh, story could have been, could have been fashioned still from, you know, that we, they talked around it, but if somebody wanted to go back and. Mm-hmm. and I think they were going to, it, it, they were seeding a storyline and then it just didn't go, they didn't do it. They dropped it because people were they people were really into Barnabas already at that point. Oh, so the, so they just started to seed in the storyline and they were like, well, like like let's focus on this and instead. Um so and they had the Jason McGuire thing happening and the Barnabas thing happening, and they started yeah. to introduce this and then they dropped it. But um yeah, but this storyline we have Josette as uh I'm gonna I'll just go through each character here uh and we'll just give a little bit of our thoughts on uh, on them. Uh if so I uh Bramwell Collins. I uh it's great seeing Jonathan Frid and playing the son of Barnabas Collins. I thought that was it was cool. It was a kind of cool to see Jonathan Frid play because he was not like Barnabas Barnabas could be very he would reflect you know and and have these soliloquies and you know like it was this is a and but barnabas could also be very uh 
terrifying when he wanted to be. But this is a, you know, the tempestuous son of Barnabas, who was the poor relation of the Collins family, has a big chip on his shoulder, much, a very Burke Devlin-esque kind of yeah. vibe to him uh, and goes away. Make, he's waiting for his merchant ship to come in and he makes his fortune. His cousins had always kind of looked down their noses at him because he was the poor relation and now he's the same status as they do, you know? So, um, but I wasn't, I mean, I I enjoyed seeing him uh, as Bramwell and same with Catherine, with Lara as Catherine, uh, you know, same kind of thing. You know, she's indecisive in some ways you know she's clearly drawn to Bramwell she's attracted to Bramwell but she's pushing him away and is it going to marry Morgan Collins instead I find them enjoyable to watch but I don't know if they're especially likable people uh -uh. I, I mean I think that by that point we'd been conditioned to accept very flawed um yes you know, characters so I think we it, I mean if you were looking for for them to be really virtuous they tended to be Kind of the victims they tended to be yeah. the ones that were at the mercy of other characters so we kind of got i felt we got used to well this isn't like a saint but yeah. <laughs> this is this is probably a a better character than that other guy who's totally a scoundrel or right right you know, right yes uh, yeah but uh it, it is funny that effectively i didn't think about it till just now that effectively bromwell is the lie Barnabas was telling about going off to live in England and then coming back as a descendant here yeah. that very descendant that that uh, it, it was one generation removed instead of several but mm -hmm. effectively he he became exactly that uh that fake yeah. character mm -hmm. and uh and and did in fact look exactly like his dad yeah. so, I mean that confirms that this gene pool is extremely uh loyally <laughs> committed yeah. to these faces. Yes, yeah, great observation there. Yeah. And Catherine, any thoughts on Catherine? I actually I love that Laura uh, Laura uh, Parker had uh had a bigger role as a, a kind of as a as the protagonist in that one yeah. versus the the sinister villain, although I think she had already proven she was worthy to be that. I I'll never forget when she stop you know interrupts laura's just attempt to destroy barnabas and it was like oh wow <laughs> yeah that was great the, oh these two characters fighting this is like the you know <laughs> oh it's so that was one of the best things oh i love right. that they, yeah they were like the top character that uh, that was the thing i wanted to in in the parallel time thing and later it was like oh they should have had patafi come back and quentin and laura had to team up to fight oh, while barnabas yeah. Was missing. yeah yeah i figured I'll that was the that they was the one thing we never got to. <laughs> oh yeah, and one thing when we were emailing each other, one thing you suggested a, a like a kind of a fun way to end the series if they came back to the present and had a showdown with all the main villains, mm -hmm. like you bring back Patofi and Judah Zachary and Nicholas, you know, maybe have a and Laura, you know, you have them all in play and <laughs> how are you know, and then you have Barnabas, Julia, Quentin, and Angelique kind of. And uh, Professor Stokes too, like kind of. How we fight these guys? But yeah. yeah, I that would have been really fun too to have have that kind of a, a kind of a showdown. Um, so okay, so we, and then we also have Morgan Keith Prentice, new actor introduced to the show again, not as an especially likable character, but I think that was kind of the point uh, with with Morgan. But he also was kind of heroic when he Catherine to spend the night in the room, and he took her place instead. I thought that was cool. And then he's completely awful after that. But yeah, kind of a kind of kind of a he was he was he became evil, but it was almost mm -hmm. a, a, a heroic. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't have anything against having another Quentin there, but I suppose Quentin was just had disappeared for a long period of time at the very end of the episode. I think he's not there for the last couple of no, weeks. No, he had a um and what we well, I was gonna talk a little bit about Quentin, but yeah, he had um David Selby developed appendicitis and had to leave the oh. show to go emerge to have emergency oh my god have his appendix out. So uh that's why he wasn't in those last few episodes. They had to work around that because yeah. he was part of the storyline and David Selby had appendicitis, had to go to the hospital, and he didn't was, didn't end up being in the last ah couple see, weeks of the show. That's what I say about the 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 live the the, tri- the tribulations of the yeah. the live uh, uh production of the show was, I mean, just imagine trying to do it now with the strikes going on. You know, yeah. it's just oh wow, I, yeah. You know, you couldn't. You'd have to go through some serious uh uh you know reevaluations. Oh, sure. Of, uh, We've got to we've got to produce a month, and the actors yeah. completely unavailable. Now, I I liked Keith Prentice the first time I watched eighteen forty one Parallel Time many years ago. I wasn't in enjoy him as much, but when I rewatched it again, I was like, yeah, he's actually he's good for, in the part. Um, I thought he was fine. Um, I don't know if they would have brought him back into the present day as a new character. They probably would have. They might have brought him back as somebody, but. It feels like they were they were trying very hard to keep actors that had had worked in that live environment mm-hmm. and able to do it. Um, yeah, uh, to keep them in in their rotation if they could. So yeah, he might have. They, they might have done that. Um, it it mm-hmm. it wouldn't. I made me curious. I was wrong. I was thinking brothers. It was a cousins. Uh, they had more. They had more Collinses in the yeah in the in the, in the uh, eighteen forty one. And parallel time and non yeah. time, they had right. more, more Collinses there, and I kept thinking they would try to find some excuse to have more Collinses in the present. But I suppose that's why I keep thinking they would do a parallel time and again in the yeah. present, just because they had made it such a key point. There were no more Collinses. Yeah. It was really- some things don't are not exact mirror images of the main time band. Like we have characters in this time band that, like we have. Quentin's in both time bands, Gabriel's, Flora's, but uh, Morgan doesn't exist in the in the 1840 time band. In parallel time, Flora married Justin Collins, but maybe in 1840 in our time band, there's a theory that it was um, Abner Collins was her husband because they find Abner Collins painting near the playroom and nobody knew who Abner Collins was when we go to 1840. And, and a lot some people have speculated that was Flora's husband because she has debt. Her son in, in 1840 is Desmond. Right. But her in 18 regular time band 1840, her son is Desmond. So maybe her husband was Abner Collins and she gave birth to Desmond and that was her only child. But in 1841, parallel time, Flora married Justin Collins and had all these other kids uh, who also happen to be some of them are parallels for the main time band. So it can get kind of confusing when you start to kind of yeah. figure out who's who i was i was gonna say you want to have little pictures and on the podcast showing showing but i'm like well that wouldn't help <laughs> because it's the same actors it's the same uh, actors. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you get you'd get confused just trying to be able to pinpoint exactly who it is right right yeah uh <laughs> sometimes the costumes help but not always yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so moving on here to other some other characters here julia collins um, I really, I always, Grayson Hall's characters are always really enjoyable. Um, and here is, I think this is no exception. She's, she's really great at playing that kind of like no nonsense. Like she knows what's going on and she's in charge in this, she's a Collins. So she's, but she's trying to protect Flora Collins from the knowledge that Justin had an affair and she's, 
the the matriarch of the family and it's it's kind of cool like you would expect florida because joan bennett's characters are always kind of like the ones in charge of the household but it's in here it's i mean it seems like julia collins is the one who knows all the she's mm -hmm. kind of ho holds the reins a bit here and i like her in this storyline yeah i think uh you know, I, this is getting probably a little too much like the flash and it's strange time time travel idea, <laughs> but, but i mean i wonder if there's a case to be made that these parallel times are somewhat impacted by where modern i mean it, it, when 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 julia came to pay into into the uh, um into collinwood it, she wasn't related to the collinses in in uh, in the original timeline but by the time we've got you know the the things interacted um you know and she traveled back in time and she was there in the, in 1841 uh, perhaps that impacted parallel time in a yeah. way that it did tie her to the family and to the and so that somehow it doesn't make a lot of sense I admit but you know with all like you said with all this time travel who knows what the past has affected right, the, the fact that Julia went into 1840 and posed as as a member of the Collins family and was in 1840 uh, somehow affected brought a Julia into existence in 1841 parallel time Right. as a balancing maybe the universe had to has to balance have a balance like there's so this person exists in this time band and therefore must somehow exist in this time right. band yeah like we can't wrap our heads around at least it's difficult right. yes. but I, yeah. I know what you're saying yeah some sort of uh uh, uh higher power obviously that that would be mm -hmm. tying that because i mean i think the i think the idea in the flash was that because he goes back in time and affects him becoming he does something that will affect him becoming flash and as a result of that, all the things he might have done involving time travel as the as the Flash have now been messed up. Mm -hmm. So that means he's affecting not just his future but his past as well. Yeah. Or it has an unpredictable, it, like he was in a self fulfilling prophecy before, but now he's messed that up. Yeah. So I don't know if that's how you affect the past as well as the future, so that somehow, you know, someone who looks like Grayson Hall would be in the family. Yeah. But it's all. The other answer is it's magic. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. You <laughs> can get away with anything. It's with <laughs> they, um, it would have been cool if they had done some kind of flashpoint kind of a thing where it's like, <laughs> look at what happened now because you guys keep going back in time and changing yeah. things over and over again. And there's the end result is going to be disastrous if you keep doing like I wish they had done something like that. I think that would have been a fun last storyline like yeah for a last to end to end it on. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to fix what you what you did or something like that. Um I can only imagine the headache it would have been to put that together <laughs> given everything that was going on. Sure. I, yeah. And everyone was so burned out. I don't I don't know if they would have yeah, had the energy to, 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 to do it, but it would have, would have been kind of an interesting thing to do. Uh, another thing I would have liked to have seen is sentient Collinwood, like Collinwood uh, as yes. the as the Hill as Hill House, mm -hmm. um, kind of a thing. And that's when that daytime Gothic um, uh, zine I was telling you about that mm -hmm. there. That's one of the ones I suggest is, is haunting of Hill House, maybe merged with the fall of the House of Usher, where Collinwood mm -hmm. itself develops some a very sinister sentience or always had it but it finally manifests like enough mm -hmm. screwy things have happened where Collinwood kind of awakens in in some way and there's some bad stuff really bad stuff starts happening maybe it had something because the fire started in parallel time and mm -hmm. 
and then the real time Collinwood is destroyed almost <clears throat> coincidentally. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is possible. Perhaps there was a nexus thing that occurred, and that was some awakening, and that's when the house started. You're doing this. You're doing that. You know, and mm -hmm. some force was direct. I mean, it's <laughs> getting a little yeah. carried away, perhaps with it, but but you know, it it, yeah. it could be there's some some uh, kind of. I mean, that was what was so fun about the show was that it didn't, like you said before, it didn't answer things, but that left you so many possibilities mm -hmm. and that made it fun. It was open-ended yeah. and this was true of, I think, the soap opera uh, format that yeah. it didn't firmly tell you. I mean, I think we would have liked a firm answer on, you know, is uh, who is Vicky's mom. That's, uh, the, that's and, the big and, one. I think everybody would. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell us and why she had to be sent. To, I, I assume she was the product of some kind of an assault, uh, that that was why um, Elizabeth wouldn't go into that. But she still cared because this is her daughter one way or the other. Um, but like you said, they did tie. It wasn't that negative with Melanie. Um, but yeah. they did sort of recall that just a bit. So that was a, you know, a kind of a nice, if, if you couldn't have, because, you know. Um, Alexandra Moltke, yeah. Yeah, Moltke had gone away. So, you know, you couldn't really recover that anyway. So it was a nice way to get there. And it gave um, uh, Nancy Barrett, uh, the, the she got to play most of that. So, yeah. That was a very it's because we didn't have Maggie either. You know? yeah, Maggie was gone, Maggie yeah. Was gone too. So, so it was nice, but it was still good that I I I always liked Nancy's characters, mm -hmm. and um, and I I wanted her to have a bigger role or more active uh, agency in the mm -hmm. show than she got to have. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind when certain characters weren't, you know, she could play smart or she could play more dim-witted characters however whatever required at different times but i did feel like on the whole she she deserved a little bit uh sharper character and i just assumed that was really the time period and that we don't want them to be too smart because then they're going to know and then they'll be guilty of having been complicit with all this horrible stuff so we've got to keep everybody keep uh, in the dark shadows yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird to say with David because he started off as such a sinister kid. Oh, he was the bad seed. I mean, that must yeah. have been what they were pulling from too with him. I mean, the, right. the bad. He was. He, yeah. Yeah, he Roger calls him an incipient psychopath. I mean, he's and he is. He's he's so yeah. horrible. Yeah. But then he he after the Laura thing happens, he becomes yeah. whatever was going on there. He's kind of starts coming out of that, and then he becomes a kid who seems to be supernatural stuff seems to be drawn to, he's like a magnet too for supernatural stuff i i think my only aside from him not being in the end uh and them never really i guess him never really finding out who barnabas is and ever coming to any kind because he's a kid i could feel like he could know and still be in you know innocent of any real guilt for that um if he thought barnabas was good and they were just lying to him that barnabas what he's really doing i i feel like you could have gotten away with that mm -hmm. but I think the saddest thing is he never we never got to see him meet uh and befriend um Adam on screen. That happened, but we didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see it. We find out David's known about Adam the whole time. He hangs out with him yeah, <laughs> in the first, room. The first, the first encounter was very Frankenstein. It was yes, oh, it good. Was, yeah. but, then, but at some point after that, he met this yeah. monster that nearly killed him and became some yeah. friends with him. I thought yeah. that Yeah. Well, you know, I I I would have liked to have seen that one one of those scenes where just David and Adam hanging out. Um that that would have been kind of cool. I I agree. Um I, David did, I mean, he was terrified of Barnabas. He he did at, 
in the in the Barnabas introduction to Barnabas storyline, David does learn uh, that Bar- he, so Barnabas is dead. He's, he gets sent away to Boston, and then after that, he seems to not be aware of it. And my theory is, we saw Barnabas twice use his hypnotic powers yes. to yes. make yes. kids <laughs> two times on kids specifically um, with Denise Nickerson, with Nora Collins, and then with Daniel Collins in parallel time. He wiped erased their memory of him being they saw him biting someone and he wiped so maybe he did that to david but david still knows there's something different about barnabas because he says it during the summer 1970 he said barnabas is different when he knows on some level that mm-hmm. barnabas there's something about barnabas so um i think david he's a really great character it's a shame and david hennessy was a really good actor too it's a shame that he had left the show at this point and i suspect if the show had continued in the present day that they would have negotiated to bring him back he wanted to move on from acting he did a couple of things after this he did the, an episode of the waltons um but he he wanted he went on to be a very successful restaurateur and he's in panama now and he has a, he has a distribution food distribution and and restaurants in panama and he's very successful and but it, i suspect if they had come back to 1971 present day and done another storyline that they you gotta have david in there so I, I suspect they would have brought him back i wish they'd let him be a teenager you know since he was already at that point but yeah yeah the the last thing with him i remember thinking he looks too old to be played for them to insist on having him act like he's still yeah, somewhere he was he was doing something. And I thought, okay, that doesn't look realistic. That doesn't look like something kid his age would still be doing. And the I, rocking horse in the playroom. That, was, that yeah. might have been it. Yeah, yeah it was just like no, nah, no. Nah. Um, David Hurst played Justin Collins' short-lived role. I thought he was very good as the insane patriarch of the Collins family who spent the night in the room. I enjoyed his performance. It was he wasn't on the show for very long, but he was. I thought he was quite good. And there's this whole also this other thing that they introduce. Um, where if you see the woman in white, that means that somebody who spent the night in the room will die soon. And that's actually from folklore, but they never really did anything. You never actually, we don't see the woman in white more. I think Morgan sees her, but we don't see her. (laughs) That was was one of those things I remember, had remember hearing about that from other fans as a point that they never got resolved. Yeah. Before I saw the episodes, I was like, oh, that was the, that was the thing that, that was, <clears throat> something that, that that people thought there was a storyline to that that never never materialized yeah. uh, there's the, the wilkie collins Wilkie. novel woman what it has nothing to do with that but i think just the woman in white or the la- the white lady is uh it's it's a common folklore uh thing you know where we're a supernatural occurrence where uh people see a ghostly white woman uh someplace where a tragedy has taken place or is going to take place where someone is going to die or some tr- some catastrophe will happen there's you know in different countries you hear the, the about the woman in white or the white lady um and many different from brazil and england all over um so i assume that's this is that's a similar idea like he sees the woman in white and someone who spent the night in the room will die soon and sure enough justin dies but it would have been cool to see the woman in white for many years in the fanzines and in the concordances and everything and said oh nancy barrett was the woman in white so when I first watched the storyline, I was waiting to see Nancy Barrett like dressed in white, but that did, that wasn't there. So it was a mistake. People, there was no, that didn't happen. So. It, it does feel a little like it, rec- like it recalls 
ghost Josette a little. Yes. Oh, Maybe yeah, yeah. So they're what they're made. That may have been the implication. But I did, I did think I wanted to call attention to the patriarch that wasn't played by Lewis Edmondson was kind of an interesting yeah. change. That I that was something I think we talked about that one era we never visited that felt like we probably should have was the generation before Elizabeth and Roger, their yeah. parents. And, Jameson as an adult, uh, yeah. Right, and to have seen that might have been an answer to how do you, well, I guess it would have, you wouldn't have had Lewis Edmonds playing Roger as a young man. So I guess, I mean, as a younger man, so mm-hmm. I, as a child. So I guess you we could have had him play his dad as well, but it would have been nice to have seen that and to have a different set of, people like we trade back and forth this is the dad this is the son and round and round we well, go you know and mm-hmm. um, but anyway she's parallel time Daphne here yeah. and she's basically the Isabella Linton of the storyline I feel for Daphne here because Bramwell marries Daphne clearly is only a tactic to get back at uh Catherine here and it's kind of sad you know I, I yeah. there's a little a little Barnabas and it's and it's uh, yeah in terms of being a bad move on the part of our of mm-hmm. our of Jonathan Frid's character <laughs> yes yeah exactly yeah it is a Barnabas move for sure and uh I feel for Daphne and she becomes she she they she falls in love with Bramwell and she's because there's a duel between Bramwell and Morgan yeah. call back another call back kind of to Jeremiah and Barnabas right. um and uh, Bramwell is wounded she tends to his wounds and then she falls in love with them they get they get married um and uh, in the one lost episode, or the videos lost for the episode, but they, we have the audio. But that's where that's where the, they announced they're going to be. They've been married. Um, but Daphne uh, di- di- dies. She becomes very ill, and she dies and gives her blessing to before she dies to Bramwell. And, and it feel like a, if you must, you know, if you must. <laughs> there, there was a certain. There, there, it was. It. I maybe I was reading into it, but I, I, I felt yeah. like, yeah. Go in, have your happy ending together. I'll just die. I'll do, yeah, exactly. It's awful. It's poor, poor Daphne. Guilt here, you know. You wonder how they could have, as other soap operas have gone on ad, you know, ad infinitum, infinitum, you know, how they could have kept the show going if they had to leave behind the same repertoire of actors, uh, you know. And it's, Mm -hmm. you wonder if that's other parallel times would have been an answer or if they would have. Because you know, there's only they can't they can't keep finding new Collins's relatives in the regular timeline. Exactly. So, yeah. So. And uh, some people have suggested though they could have done stories about other families in Collinsport, but I, I think people would have lost interest in it. People want to see what's going on with the with the Collins family and with with Barnabas and and Julia and and Quentin and all and Angelique and I mean I and then Liz and Roger and Carolyn and David. You kind of have to have them. They they're. They're yeah, in the ang- actors playing them would have been would have been more likely. If, maybe so. Maybe they would have recast because it's so different from a, a regular soap opera. It is. It's there's there's it in that respect. I think people would have not have been into that. Um, another family come moving to, into Collinsport or something. I I just don't see it. Don't see people following that or being <laughs> excited about that. You know. Um. So. <laughs> Him doing it like you said but i wouldn't i don't think i would have been happy <laughs> yeah yeah um and in some respects they're doing it in this storyline although with the same actors <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, i i bet i put up with it but largely because it was i i it was the end of the show i mean i knew mm-hmm. that going into it like i said if i was watching this 
at the time live, I would have probably been very upset because, yeah. hey, we didn't even get back to is yeah. alive here. I mean, it's she's like it ends in parallel time in the past. Like what? Right. what? <laughs> oh, and, and, and the way it did, it was like, well, there wasn't a vampire. It was something else. We it was, yeah, it was an animal time. for the first time. It was it's like, what? Wait, no. Well, that's in parallel title. If we went back to the present, it would have been more more vampires and werewolves and all yeah, kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. All right. So um, Quentin, um, the Quentin in this band of time uh, is just out of prison where he's been in for seven years for uh, manslaughter, for killing someone who was spreading malicious gossip about his, his family. But this Quentin, despite the fact that he has killed someone and went to prison, I like this Quentin. He is very, um, he's kind of courageous and he definitely stands up for what he believes in. Um, he's a different type of Quentin, I think, from the other Quentins that we've seen. I, I found he was kind of a su supporting player in this storyline, um, but he was fine. Uh, he had to leave due to the appendicitis issue with David Selby, but... I'm glad David Selby was okay, but I'm, I'm yeah. still sorry that, 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 yeah, that he didn't get to have a a farewell i don't like you said he was a supporting character and he wasn't even when he was on screen he was he wasn't the focus of the particular arc that mm -hmm. they had going on so it i mean I, it's interesting to note that they weren't killing him off the same way they killed off some of the others so mm -hmm. that that uh um even people that were you know actors that continued to play when they played other characters they could die Mm -hmm. um, they weren't doing that with him. That makes me wonder if they just couldn't, you know, they didn't want to ever kill off a Quentin or, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I get it. You know, you, you want to, they did kill off Angelique one time, a couple of times. I can't believe they did that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry. She's the death can't have it. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, again, Again. Yeah, it's like no, no, no. She's, she's, she's. I think there was it. Was it supernatural where they killed off the the sorceress and she had some magic spell that was like secretly like some sort of uh alien thing that sort of pops in and revives her after the <laughs> over in the yeah. next episode. It's like forget that she's not dead. You're not yeah. killing her. So I, yes. I feel like that's how Angelique would have uh yep. done. It. She could have, you know. So yeah, I'm absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But um, um, yeah, but Quentin, I, I love the scenes with Quentin and Gabriel, who is another great Christopher Pennock character. I love how cowardly yeah. Gabriel is in this story. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a different Gabriel from the 1840 Gabriel, who was this, he was also really fun, but he was nasty, acerbic, and yeah. putting down everyone from his wheelchair. And this Gabriel is, he's just a chicken. He's a, ch a drunk chicken. He's, he's, he's a, I, he I likes like I liked these these roles for Panic a little better than um, the Leviathan. Uh, uh, oh, Jeb. Uh, Jeb. 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 Yeah. I, yeah, something about Jeb. I just didn't didn't, didn't <laughs> like that. Uh, I don't know what it was. Smug. I mean, the smugness. Smug. <laughs> might have been the smugness, or it was just the fact that he, you know, the instotine effect, or oh, the right, yeah. the fact that he. I think I didn't like that he just sort of. Didn't he just he just sort of redoes Barnabas's curse? And I'm like, wait a minute, that yeah. was a seriously involved thing. That's like, yeah. you know, Grand Leader Snoke shows up and does everything that the previous bad guy took three movies to accomplish. Yes, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. You know, it's it's like that just seemed a bit too too much of a cheat, you know. I I mm -hmm. but, but um 
but I don't, I, but for some reason I just, and, and Jaeger was a good role as well, but. Oh yes. The Longworth and Jaeger. Yeah. The Jekyll and Hyde character. Yeah. But they were so over the top, they had to have an ending, you know, they, they had. Yeah. To, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, although sadly he did end in this storyline and I was kind of sorry. I thought I, I, I found him more, more, um, maybe it's a bit like. Sympathetic. Yeah. Maybe it's appealing to the same thing as Willie. I, 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 right. I kind of felt like this guy is. I, I don't hate him and I don't really want to get rid of him. I don't, I don't, I, I and, and it actually, it is a lot like Willie because Willie, when he came in was a jerk and yeah. so that sort of does maybe psychologically, I am thinking of the other panic. Yeah, role. I found, I found this, yeah, uh, this Gabriel to be much more, more sympathetic. I felt bad for, he was afraid and, uh, and it was kind. It was kind of. It was kind of funny, like sad, but funny, like booze hidden all over the house in these random yeah. places and stuff. But he was afraid to go into the room, and and but then he becomes insane when he's even for a yeah. short time in the room, spending a short time in the room, becomes insane and murderer. Uh, yeah, so I was hoping that there would be some out to the room, some you know, like the, yeah. there would be some exception or some. Mm-hmm. They establish the rules, but then you kind of there's I guess I'm conditioned to expect the rules to be broken at some point, and yeah. that never happened. The room was always consistent. Uh, yeah, it kills you, or you go partly that's, that's or partly insane. Or and I want to talk about that a little bit because we're, I want to talk a little bit about Brutus and that whole thing. But uh, what about Melanie and Kendrick? I felt bad for for Melanie because she's becomes intermittently possessed by by uh, the spirit of Amanda, who's rather uh violent you know aggressive and tormented and angry and and this kind of the opposite of pansy there was yeah yeah take her and give her this horrible thing that uh um he is cursed with this yeah it's uh, that is pretty cool and and kendrick i like kendrick i mean it was a bit Desmondish, but a little bit more, I guess, action oriented. I don't know if I, I don't know <laughs> okay, more. They had a good ending, didn't they? I'm trying to remember how. Yes, they had a, the parallel they time, had... 1841, the only happy ending, <laughs> dark shadows that you get yeah. in parallel yeah, time, stopped. Melanie and Kendrick, <laughs> Melanie and Kendrick yeah. and Bramwell and Catherine, they all lived happily ever after. The only happily ever after you get in, in dark shadows, I, as I can recall. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember appreciating that. Um, uh, <laughs> that they like you said they did go through horrible stuff but it did it did feel almost like a spiritual reward for mm-hmm. uh you know you couldn't help but feel like even though it's different characters the same actor playing them they're somehow spiritually the same and yeah. so you know when a character did finally after everything they'd all been through to get a happy ending after not getting happy endings to so many other characters yeah um that was a I, I that was probably my biggest takeaway on 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 them that I appreciated that they they got to have something yeah. close to that. Flora Collins, uh, Joan Bennett, very different different take on Flora Collins. The main time band's Flora Collins was kind of daffy and was a, a novelist, but she was in on she see people for what they were, but she was this is much more true to form for Joan Bennett character uh, Flora Collins in this storyline. I thought she was very good. And we have Josette. Uh, it was really cool seeing an older Josette. Yeah. I thought Mary Cooper as Josette. Oh, well, some people didn't yeah, like her as Josette, but I thought I thought she was she was okay. I thought she did a good job. It was a nice again another nice change to have a, somebody different step in to play the older version. Not not poor, covering the poor actor in makeup uh, mm-hmm. to look really old. She was a friend of Joan Bennett's, I believe. I think from the theater of Mary Cooper, the actress. But yeah, I thought she was. I thought she was fine as Josette. I didn't. 
uh, some people didn't like didn't think that that's what Josette would be like when she was older but I think she was fine she was she was motherly like she was right. kind uh and she's that's what I think Josette would be like as a, as an older it's always remember it's parallel time these aren't exactly the same right. characters and mm -hmm. like I said I kind of wondered a little bit about the age if possibly it, it didn't match up exactly but um, just based on how old Melanie was, mm -hmm. how old Josette would have had to have been when she had her, mm -hmm. um, and the time. You know, I'm just, just yeah, I don't oh, know right. how yeah. how uh, how easy it was to have. Eighteen forty one. I've watched, uh, you know, um, uh, Call the Midwife on Netflix, and it's like, yeah, uh, how she probably would have been how did the human race ever happen? I don't even know. It, she probably would have been maybe forty, maybe a little older, maybe in her like early 40s so it would have i mean then, it's not unheard of it could have certainly happened in, in 1841 i think it would have been a much more difficult situation medically but she she could have had her in her in her early 40s um and, and she's still around later too she's yeah. she, she, she yeah uh, you i'm glad you brought up the age thing and whether it lines up because we also have ben and carrie stokes now in this timeline ben stokes is way younger than the ben stokes in 1840 so my theory is that this is the son of the ben, the old ben stokes in 1841 parallel time maybe by then that ben stokes died maybe in parallel time this this is his son who was also named ben because here his daughter is carrie whereas in our time ben the granddaughter is carrie so it must be Mm -hmm. a generation removed and his name is simply also ben that's the only explanation i can think of for that because the ages yeah, that, don't line up i think you're right i i think um well we we he 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 had kids in the other even in the other timeline because there mm -hmm. was there was a lineage even yeah. though it didn't seem like he had time for it <laughs> um <laughs> and uh um but yeah i think i think you're right that he's probably it doesn't seem especially if you have multiple kids i guess it's entirely possible one of them would just end up being going by Ben, whether or not mm. I've named him Benjamin or something else, you know, yeah. and, and and he just said his dad's gone. He's just now called Ben, just like his dad. Right. Uh, legacy servants type stuff, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, he was he wasn't in too many episodes. It was only one, a couple, I think. And but he was I thought he was he's always great uh, there, David. And um, I, this is my favorite Kathy Cody character that she did the parallel time carry. Stokes was was she was a psychic. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. They initially introduced a parallel time Gerard. He was in the storyline too. There were a couple of people very that briefly, yeah. He him and uh, Samantha was in there too, very briefly. Um, but they then uh, they both disappeared. They both le left. But he was a, a psychic in parallel yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah, that uh, was a storyline that sort of felt like it they, they they ran out of time to finish it or something and it and didn't... then Hallie kind of stepped in and took took the yeah. the play his place in that kind of role so she has psychic abilities um and I, I enjoyed um her performance in that role as Carrie the, the parallel time Carrie I thought was was pretty good um I mean not huge players in the storyline but they were certainly part of it um and it was kind of cool to see her any other thoughts on them before we wrap it up with 60 i want to talk a little bit about these 1680 characters too uh before we go but i did i did like um gerard styles was a a good a good character and a good villain 
Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't exactly a villain in that storyline, but it and the felt main, like, you're talking about the main time band storyline. Yeah, he was yeah. a um, and and so I felt like he would have it would have been nice to have had more with him. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, you know, I like I said, I think I recognized at that point that the show wasn't going to be on much. You know, that the the yeah. we're running near the end. And no, when I have, I'd like to. I hope to have James Storm on the podcast at some point. Certainly, um, I want to ask him because he said that he was fitted for a costume to come back to the show. So presumably in the present day, I believe he's, I think it was a present day character. So I'm curious to, to ask him a little bit about that because I, I, he, he said he was fitted for a costume to come back and I don't know what, what point that happened or, I mean, it was a long time ago. So I don't know if his memory, maybe he was talking about the parallel time version of Gerard and forgot. I don't know, but I am curious to, to hear more about that. So if I, get him on here i would like to, to ask him about that um so well, we I also hoping we'd see modern versions of a lot of these characters too I, oh I, yeah I, i'm the one i keep saying trask needed to be a televangelist then i know yes. <laughs> i know there was i know there was the, the trask name had to be i know that oh. jerry Lucy had the other role but uh i, I feel like there had oh, to be there would have been there might have been televangelist trask it would yeah, <laughs> I can picture it. It's so easy to to picture it in like yeah. a, in the seventies, like with with dressed. Yeah. As, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul Servino in uh, in Oh God type of yes. The the last bit here I want to talk about. We get get a flashback to sixteen eighty. We ultimately we find out ultimately what's going on in this room. Um, we spot, meet the spirit of Brutus Collins, uh, another. Louis Edmonds character, which is always a pleasure to see Louis Edmonds play any character in Dark Shadow. So him as a as a bearded kind of ghost that looks like something out of a Shakespeare play. This is wonderful. Uh, he is this evil ghost of Brutus Collins. And then we also get um, uh, Constance uh, Collins in the past. His sister was played by Grayson Hall. We get uh, Amanda uh, Collins, played by Nancy Barrett, and James Forsyth, who's played by Keith Prentice. So the, this is 1680 Collinwood. We get a flashback, which is the furthest back we've ever gone in Dark Shadows in time. Uh, and it's it was, I mean, it was a short bit, but it was kind of cool to see them as yet again playing different characters in the show. Great having Louis Edmonds back. Uh, we had seen him, you know, as this this ghost Brutus. We see what happened, what took place there. The very eerie scene with the two dead bodies with the with the cobwebs. If you touch them, you get possessed by them and all this kind of thing. I I will say this. Um they built up this cursed uh, lottery room for this entire storyline and how horrific it must be in there if you spend the night like you either die or go insane i mean it's just really must be something horrific and then when we all finally see what's going on in here it's it's a haunted room um so you have a ghost and he they're dead bodies and it's spooky it's spooky but i i think it's anticlimactic in a way because you almost expect something demonic like there's something so absolutely infernal about this or Lovecraftian or something that will, that's, will, I mean, not that an evil, go, vengeful evil ghost is not, is, is certainly something terrifying. Absolutely. But I, I think I wanted to see something even beyond that. Like what Would is Brutus doing to them that is so 
horrific that, you know, I, I, that I think I would have liked to have seen a bit, something more. Would have been a neat time to reuse the Diablo set or uh, maybe, yeah. Or the, or the dream tomb that da David saw yeah. uh, with the red light. It was something like that. Something really abstract. Like, I don't know what they could have done. That's the thing. It's like, what can you do that's yeah. going to convey that? on the budget that you have i mean even with a yeah, even yeah. with a big budget it's going to be difficult to convey that to an audience but it has to be something beyond well, I, thought they, mm. I, thought they, I thought they always did very well with just darkness um, yeah there was a lot of power in just the light on some face in surrounded by the dark shadows in every you know and mm. so they I, I think they're for the for all the purposes of having all the different people in, in involved, like all the different characters in the scene. They couldn't they couldn't do that. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, there was. Uh, well, that was come back around to wait a minute. The house shouldn't be here in 16. Yeah. You know, so what, what's going on here? This again, like you said, it's parallel time. Things are different here. Sure. Sure. And, uh, I, I think um, and yet maybe there is a possibility that 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 some always their version of the house has been inspiring all the other timelines to keep to, to build it yeah but uh especially if they keep turning into a corner and help oh, now you're suddenly in this room yeah but there's, uh, mm -hmm. there's something um, to that there's something to that yeah absolutely yeah, when, when uh my, my my parents love visiting the biltmore in in oh. uh, in uh, uh north carolina and and Asheville, and that was the the vanderbilts built this palatial house up in the mountains and i can't remember his name the guy who designed central park uh in in new york uh had helped landscape work out the landscape where uh, they they reseeded the trees and built up the forest and none of them lived to see that what it is now with the forest growing up but the idea that they hired people to put together this house um you know uh and 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 create this estate um I could see I mean that's a little that that was the that was the late um 1800s so that's a you know around the gilded age time so I guess mm -hmm. that's a little a little later than when Collingwood was built in 1795 but I I guess it would be a similar sort I mean I'm sure that's how big houses they they would hire somebody to you know come up with their I mean that's the way it's still done now I'm sure but I mean you know it's but the the idea that maybe there was somebody who could have had some you know just walk the grounds trying to get a feel and they walked yeah. into mm -hmm. the magical uh portal so this storyline wraps up with morgan and bramwell and uh kendrick on the roof uh you know and off collinwood or, and yes. morgan that was another new set yes <laughs> yeah on the roof before breaks through the, the the railing there on the, the parapets of Collinwood there and he dies and the, the death scene uh the story goes that Neil Simon the playwright was at the studio when this was he was watching the final episode tape the final episode and so Keith Prentice this was like his audition for, for Neil Simon because he wanted to impress him <laughs> with his death scenes <laughs> so <laughs> so oh, he, cool. and so it's yes yeah so he, he had a big death scene. Yeah, and then it kind of wraps up. And... I have to go back and rewatch the last episode just yeah. to see that again. <laughs> I, I remember it was an impressive. I mean, it was just, it was very, that was clim climactic for the show yeah. that it ends on that kind of a note. I mean, Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. The, the little, well, it wasn't really a vampire monologue or voiceover at the end wasn't so great. But before that, <laughs> it was, yeah. it was a surprisingly strong 
finish to a storyline. A lot, lot of blood and thunder kind of right. thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then we do have this the vampire bit. Uh, although it's not a vampire, as it turns out with Mel, they carry Melanie into the house. She's been attacked by an animal and we see the marks on her neck and everyone's standing around. And Gordon Russell, the writer, made was in the scene. He made he only time he ever appeared on screen. He had a cameo as Riggs, the second footman. Uh, and <laughs> oh. yes, and he, he had a line or two and then he started his own company. I forgot what his company was, but it was called Second Footman Limited. He named it after oh. his <laughs> character in the show. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone's standing around and um, they see the marks on her neck and Ben sees the marks and says, if I didn't know better, I'd say there was a vampire loose at Collinwood or there was a vampire at Collinwood. And that line was originally meant written for Jonathan Frid for Bramwell to say, but Jonathan Frid would not say the line. He thought it was too corny for Bramwell. Why to would say. I bring up a vampire in 1841? Yeah, yeah. So he, time. <laughs> I agree. I agree with Jonathan on that one. I'm kind of glad he didn't say it would have been a bit too on the nose if or on the neck, perhaps if <laughs> if, <laughs> if Jonathan had said that line. Uh, but it was originally written for Bramwell to say. And um, so they brought there David and and Ben said the line instead. And then he did the whole quote. And then it, I love that it does at, when you're wondering at first when they see the marks and he says, if I didn't know better, I'd say there's a vampire at Collinwood and the camera goes and pans to the Barnabas's painting. I was like, oh, that's so cool. It's just, just the the implication. And then we Barnabas. <laughs> yeah, that it could be bar cuts to the painting of Barnabas. It's like, oh, could how has Barnabas somehow come into this time band or somehow what's going on? And uh and then there's the voiceover. It's like for the first time ever it was an animal that, that attacked someone, blah blah blah. And, and then he's unreliable says, narrator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have the thunder going, the thunder and lightning outside. And um, and that's the only time they ever did a closing narration. Every single episode of Dark Shadows has that opening narration. Okay. But this is the only time they ever did a closing narration for the show to give it that sense of finality. And for as long as they live, the Dark Shadows uh, were but a, a distant memory, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, and you have the... Dun, 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 dun. And it does do the music sting at the end, which was pretty fun. But... I've talked to so many people who watched that final episode and just heartbroken as they, oh. you know, saw that. And then they tuned in with the, with the hope that dark shit, that it was just an April fool's joke. Cause it air, aired on April 2nd, 1971. Oh. So people were like, well, maybe this is an April fool's joke or something. And they tuned in and it was the game show password instead. So to this day, many people hate password. We, we all have some show that ended at the worst moment and we're like no you know? <laughs> me was captain power uh, it, <laughs> they killed off jenna uh, the jennifer chase uh, pilot chase and, uh, and then it's like this has been the last episode like, what <laughs> you have Aww. to be happy dead and you know I, I think that freaked me out that's why i've never liked and then i think the very next thing i saw was tashi R dying on next generation oh like, yeah, yeah yeah what is wrong with you people you're fridging <laughs> well i didn't know about fridging but that was i was starting to feel like <laughs> They're killing the women. Yeah. I, I got very, <laughs> I can't imagine what I would have said with Dark Shadows because they killed a lot. Um, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been nice to have, I th if they had just done one more week in, or two two weeks, even one week, I would have been satisfied with one episode in the main time band where you get one more. Yeah. 
even a week well, in the main time band where they kind of just wrap things up there because it's so weird to end it in parallel time. <laughs> but you want a curtain call, you know, to be able to say mm-hmm. goodbye to so many of the players. It, it, it didn't have to be everybody. Obviously, you know, they probably couldn't have worked out a way for, for Devlin to come back. It certainly feels like Adam was owed something. Yeah. yeah. Here's where he ended up. I don't yeah. Even if he was like happy and married to yet another Nancy <laughs> Barrett role or something, I don't know. Anything, <laughs> anything to just, uh, you know, like, I mean, even Jaws and James Bond got a happy ending for crime. <laughs> but I, I do, I do wonder if that type of ending left the audience wanting more. And oh, yeah. maybe that's what plays into partly into Dark Shadows. People just always wanting more Dark Shadows and wanting it to continue. It's the show that never dies. It keeps coming back in different iterations and it's on, on Tubi. You can go on Tubi and watch it. It did leave people hungry for more Dark Shadows because it was yeah. it ended in 1841 parallel time and we never go back to our characters in the main time. And so maybe that kind of desire for that never went away too for a lot of people. Well, that was what, um, I mean, Star Trek didn't really have a goodbye uh, mm-hmm. when it ended. Um, I know my father has always said he believes that's why they never really, not for a long time, did anything with The Fugitive because it had such a definitive ending. Mm, yeah. And uh, and then they did the movie and then they tried to do another show and it didn't really take off. But, um, you know, but they didn't rerun it very mm-hmm. much. I think there was... I mean, that was one of the few shows I don't remember seeing much on syndication, but um, and throughout the 80s, the 60s was on syndication all the time. Uh, yeah. you know. But all of those shows were in reruns. And when I was little, I didn't even realize a lot of those shows were reruns. I was just like, oh, this is what's right. on, you know, oh, look, Lost in Space. Oh, cool. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know. What's on, right? Adam yeah. Webb, Batman. I thought that was, you know, the, like, you know Adam West is Batman, the Batman yeah. show, the monkeys or whatever it was. It was like, yeah. this is. They have, what, be, they have to be modern. The Cat, Catwoman, Julie Newmar just showed up on this show. That's yeah. <laughs> right now. I thought it was, there were new shows, like the like the Brady yeah. Bunch too. Like I was yeah. just like, oh, the Brady Bunch is on. It's a new episode of the Brady Bunch. Like yeah. Gilligan's Island, all of that, you know. Um, um, I mean, I think the black and white ones, I had some awareness that they were old, like the Monsters and the Addams Family and stuff, or, or black and white episodes of Lost in Space. Like, I think I developed some awareness, like, oh, these are the, this, these are the older ones. But I, it took a little while for me to figure out, oh, these are shows from a few years back that they're rerunning now. So, Well, the scary part is that I think I think about how, gee, the stuff I was watching at the time is now longer in the past now than those shows were at that time. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, the 90s is a long time ago now. And that's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's or or go back to things in the 80s. It's like, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking ancient history. It's like, this is like going back to the 40s. You know, you know it's just... Yeah. Uh, just unthinkable so um you know it's just, time marches on right um do you have any closing thoughts um i i really as speaking as somebody that never saw it when it was on originally and, and only seeing out of you know seeing it out of context of, in scattered bits on syndication and i guess it was the sci-fi channel syndication uh throughout things like the 90s and the the aughts and um, and finally being able to see, I remember trying to watch it on Netflix and it didn't, at that time I didn't know about in the beginning. So it started and I was like, this is clearly not the beginning when right. <laughs> McGuire and Willie talking 
and the, and I was like, this is not the start. Where's the rest of it? I know they're missing something. I can feel it. And so I was grateful, even though a lot of people don't like the the non-supernatural or the less supernatural uh, stuff. I mean, I, I think that there was, there's, it, it was really nice to be able to see the whole thing. And uh, it it's, I, I don't, I mean, I know we're not, you know, I, you know, trying to, trying to watch old, old shows um, is a, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a in vogue for that again. I know for for a while there, because streaming was big, if something was on streaming, people were watching it. So I don't know if there's a lot of new fans maybe that have gotten into this because of streaming. I know I certainly appreciate it more thanks to that because I could really see what it was and I and it was it was a a lot of fun and I really would like to see a new something done as long as it's not, you know, that movie. Or, <laughs> Or the or the uh, um, uh, or well, I've never seen the '90s one. I know I saw bits of it and mm-hmm. knew it felt off, um, but I've never seen it proper. I saw the 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 one the the 2004 pilot and right. thought it was weird. Yeah, um, I thought so too. Um, I I liked the '91 series. I have to revisit it because I haven't watched it for a long. I I watched it twice the whole 91 series which doesn't take long it's only 12 episodes but it's uh, okay yeah i watched it when it first aired in 91 and then mpi released the entire series on vhs which i watched that when those came out but that was also in the 90s at that time and then i bought the dvd set but i haven't gone back to it but at the time i remember enjoying it it was it felt very it did have a 90s vibe to it in yeah. some respects and there were things i did not like about it but it was much because it was dan curtis and sam hall and bob cobert involved with it it felt more dark shadowsy than the 2004 pilot or certainly more than the the Depp movie did so um i i, I was i, I want to give it another watch because i am definitely going to be talking about it at some point on this podcast so uh i gotta re-watch it but i remember enjoying it. i always give it a nod like it's kind of kind of I thought it was kind of cool uh, at the time. Uh, it, I mean, the original is always where my heart is, but I, I enjoyed the 91 show at the time. I liked the 60s feel, the black and white and all yeah. that art and, and watching it evolve. I mean, but I, I, mm-hmm. I yeah, there's a, there's a great deal. I mean, because I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone and stuff. So watching TV from that time has a certain charm to it. That um, Yeah, agreed. Eric, thank you so much. Uh, for joining me and talking about this bookending our storyline discussions on the podcast starting with the first one and coming back and doing uh, the the last storyline here it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you as it always is and thank you for this beautiful logo that you've designed for the podcast and all the other wonderful things that you do so thank you very much you're welcome and thank you for having me this has been very fun very enjoyable and i love I enjoy going back over the show with you. It's always it's always a treat. Thank you. <laughs> and for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished. For there will always be terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a penny dreadful production.